You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Thursday, November 2nd, and we're talking Chicago White Sox baseball today with our good friend Scott Birkin, our White Sox reporter for MLB.com. Scott, we thank you for the time. And what we're doing today, Scott, is kind of looking ahead as this is the first day of the offseason, which is a little hard to believe, but uh, never too soon to look ahead to the uh, 2018 prospects for the White Sox. This very, very young team, a lot of talent uh, up and coming, and we'll uh, get a take from you on what we should expect from that young talent in 2018. First, though, I want to put a kind of a, a bow tie on the uh, 2017 Fall Classic between the Astros and the Dodgers. And for the first time ever, it is the Astros on top of the baseball world as they win their first ever world title, uh, outlasting the Dodgers in seven games, winning at game seven, five to one. Kind of an anticlimactic game seven following the, the utter craziness and unpredictability of those first six games. Give me your thoughts overall on last night's game and about uh, this World Series overall. Well, I should say, you know, it's the first day of the offseason, and right in tune, it's 44 degrees and raining in Chicago. Oh, so so, so <laughs> welcome to winter approaching already. But <laughs> as you well know, White Sox fans are very familiar with uh, Houston in the World Series. The last time they were there was 05 when the White Sox swept them in a very underrated World Series in four, you know, really close games that, in all honesty, either team could have won, but the White Sox, you know, were just so dominant that year. They won 11 of 12 in the postseason and won 110 games overall. And, you know, I really think this year the two best teams from start to finish played in the World Series. Yeah, I know Cleveland had that just ridiculous, you know, captivating 22-game winning streak, and the Cubs were, I think, 24 games over in the second half. And, you know, you can make the case that Boston was very good and Washington was really good. But really, if you go from day one to game seven, the two best teams were Houston and the Dodgers. And it was a great series. I mean, you know, the the game Sunday night was just, you know, one for the ages. I think people were left at a loss for words and even how to describe I think people who played in it, just looking at the post-game interviews, were just left at a loss for words. And you're right, you know, game seven kind of, once Houston jumped up 5 nothing, and the Astros were able to just shut down the Dodgers, and it kind of was an anticlimax getting to a great World Series. I will say White Sox fans are very excited because the last three World Series champions, Royals in 15, Cubs in 16, Astros in 17, all are of the rebuild mode with the end game of a championship. So I think the Sox are circling 2020 or 2021 and saying, hopefully that's our time to join the group. And, you know, the the plan does work. I mean, you obviously it doesn't just work by adding a lot of young players. You've got to complete the, the plan. I don't know if you would agree, Matt, but I think Houston probably doesn't win that without the addition of Justin Verlander. No way. So you've got to complete the rebuild, but all three teams followed that process to get to the ultimate, you know, the ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, it's not just young talent. That's a huge part of it. But, uh, you know, we, we hear all the the now legendary stories that the Astros completed that trade for Verlander with literally seconds to spare before the, the midnight uh, trade deadline of August 31st. And if that doesn't go through, I don't think we're talking about the Astros as world champions right now that's how big of an influence Verlander was even though he was technically the losing pitcher in game six he was lights out all postseason and he was the guy that really put this Astros team over the top I was talking too with uh, your colleague Brittany Giroli she brought up a really good point the Dodgers up until the World Series they barely broke a sweat 
They swept the Diamondbacks. They took care of the Cubs in five. The Astros, meanwhile, pretty easy time with the Red Sox overall, but the Yankees took them to the woodshed. I mean, for those three games in the Bronx, the Astros looked terrible. They couldn't get out of their own way. They had to win two elimination games, you know, before the home crowd, which is easier said than done because of the pressure of playing at home. They did that, and I think that served them better. They were a little more battle-tested heading into the World Series than the Dodgers were, at least in terms of the postseason uh, perspective. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and, you know, it was a strange year for the Dodgers because, what, at one point they were 56 games over 500, which is really unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in that range. They were more than 50, I know that. And then they lost, you know, they had the 11-game losing streak. And I think people kind of pushed them to the back burner and said, oh, what a great run, but they peaked a little early. And then, as Brittany pointed out, they started dominating in the postseason. You know, they, they won the first series, and then they uh, or they took Arizona. And, and there were a couple tough games with the Cubs, but they were the better team in that series, and they won that. And then everyone started thinking, okay, well, they're going to win it again. So, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's just, you know, Houston just had a little extra. Their, their bullpen was a little stronger. That bullpen for the Dodgers, which was really, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, close to unhittable against the Cubs, just was not as strong and just kind of wore down. And, you know, it, it's a weird game now because, you know, starting pitchers going seven, eight innings. You know, I, I covered a team in 05 that had four straight complete games in the postseason. Yeah, you know, the White Sox are winning it. And I, you'll never see that again. And nope. you, you may not see one in a postseason, you know, let alone four or five. So I, I think I think you're right. I think Houston fighting to get their help a little bit. But I think Houston just had a little more, you know, in the end to, to pull it out. Yeah, a little more gas in the tank for the Astros and, uh, you know, great season for the Dodgers, but uh, hats off to the champions, uh, the Houston Astros here in 2017. And for all that city's been through uh, with the the natural disasters and the months uh, preceding all this, uh, great for those citizens of Houston. So uh, a great uh, way to celebrate this very good Astros team and maybe the start of something big uh, for the Astros in years to come. Well, Scott, let's kind of break down uh, the White Sox chances here in uh, 2018. I want you to give me uh, the biggest area of need uh, for this White Sox team and how you think they're going to address it. Do you envision a trade, maybe a free agent splash, or something of a guy uh, coming up through the minors? And they've had a lot of those. Uh, the pipeline is still plentiful. Uh, how do you see them addressing these needs? Well, 2018 is still, you know, part of the firm part of the rebuild. But I think the area they they definitely need the most help in is. Uh, bullpen you know they basically took apart that bullpen in the second half of last year you know Robertson Canely Jennings Swarzak uh, Putnam Jones and Patricia all have had surgeries since the you know the second half so all these mainstays which made up for a pretty decent bullpen are either gone or recovering and you know Patricia and Jones are expected back at the start of spring Putnam during the year so you got to add some pieces there they do have some some you know some veterans left over they do have a guy like Juan Manayo who was pretty decent as a closer albeit for a team that was, you know, well removed from contention last year. But I think you're going to see Rick Hahn add a couple pieces to the bullpen. Now, he talked to me in early September about this, that, you know, he's mentioned this a number of times, but he reinforced this to me that when the time is right, as we just talked about with Houston and as the Cubs did and the Royals before him, they will spend, you know, when they figure out what they need to complete this rebuild. I don't think this offseason is that time, but I also believe that if an opportunity avails itself to the White Sox where – they can get a reliever who they believe not only can help them in 18 fill the gap, but also can help them in 19 and 20 when they intend to be closer to contention. You may see them go out on a limb a little bit and sign a guy to a two or three year deal. But again, there's not a lot of trade, you know, really the only trade pieces they have, assuming they don't dip into the young guys, which they will not are Jose Abreu and obviously Garcia. But I, I would not be surprised if they went into the free agent market 
for sure to get a reliever or two, but maybe one that could help them short-term and long-term in in this process. Yeah, totally agree with you that, uh, you know, they're not going to be averse to spending money uh, this offseason, but in terms of a of a big-ticket item, that's still a couple years off. So I think that, right. you know, that's definitely part of the rebuilding process here. When you look at the team right now, uh, obviously, you know, more uh, – there's some serious holes holes to patch here, but where are some areas of strength that White Sox fans should feel good about right now? Well, I think their their biggest strength is they just have this good young base now. You know, I mean, I, again, I, I think they're certainly not giving up on 2018 before it begins. You know, last year was designed that they were not going to be a good team, and even when they had a decent start to the season, you knew they were going to trade pieces away, and, and it turned out they you know they did not have a great season record wise, but they accomplished what they wanted. I think this year could be a little bit better, but again, I don't think they envision themselves as anything really near contentious. Some people believe maybe with a couple pieces here or there, and if some young guys develop quickly, they could be in there. But, you know, I think the, just the young base they have and the excitement it's generating with, you know, Yohan Moncada at second, uh, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez in the bull, or I'm sorry, in the rotation, Nicky Delmonico in left field. And remember, you know, Michael Kopech and Aloy Jimenez, who really at this point, man, I kid you not, I think if Aloy Jimenez, they announced that he was changing his cereal from Frosted Flakes to Captain Crunch. It would be newsworthy for White Sox fans right now. They're, they're so captured by that kid so far. And he's been great in the Dominican Winter League. And, you know, he has said a couple of times he wants to be in the majors next year. That may be rushing a little bit, but the Sox are a team that, you know, when the time is right, they move them up there. So I think really, aside from the major league depth and what they have there or the major league talent, the biggest thing is they have developed this this great core of depth throughout the organization of, of talented young players who are now progressing forward. Yeah, great point about Eloy Jimenez. Uh, we saw him do some great stuff in the, the Futures game a year or two ago, and he was the price that the Cubs had to pay to acquire Jose Quintana, and uh, that is quite a boon for the White Sox because he is, uh, for fans not aware of him, He's something special. He's going to be fun to watch uh, for this White Sox team when it all comes to fruition. I uh, want you to give me two players here, Scott. Maybe a guy that uh, could be a candidate for slight regression in a 2018 if they played a little bit over their head this past season. Then on the flip side, a guy that maybe did not perform up to par that could really break out next year. Well, I think it's just for what we were talking about just a minute ago, I think regression is kind of tough to point out for this team because of the fact that Let's say Lucas Giolito, you know, breaks camp with the team, which I fully expect him to do, and he had a great finish for the White Sox this year. And let's say he struggles a little bit in April and May. Well, I don't think that's regression for him as much as, again, it's just part of the development process for a young, highly touted prospect. I would guess the only guy you can look at really is a guy like Avicel Garcia, and I really think he found something. I, I think it's interesting. Now in the social media age, you see everything they do even in the off season. And you see him on Instagram already getting after it, working out and lifting and doing stuff to get ready for the 2018 season. And we just, you know, hit November, you know, this week. So I, I think he's figured out something. Now, is he going to hit 330 every year and drive in 80 runs every year? Maybe not. So if you want to call 330 to 290 a little bit of a regression, that's fine. But I still think Avi Garcia has found a place to now be a stable, solid contributor for them on a daily basis. And in terms of breakout, I, I don't know if this is really a breakout because, again, it falls into that young player category. But I think with a full season ahead of him as a starter every day for the White Sox, you're going to get a better feel of Yohan Moncada's full talent package, his defense, his uh, the different variations he does on offense, the way he runs, hit for power, that kind of thing, and just kind of the electric talent he has. You know, he, he struggled a little bit in his short time last year at the White Sox, 
I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a breakout, but I think it's going to be closer to what they expect from him on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Moncada, and again, we talked about how Jimenez was the price that the Cubs had to pay to get Quintana. Well, Moncada was the price the Red Sox had to pay to get Chris Sale, and neither team's regretting that trade at all. Moncada no, did have his... both, both very good baseball deals, and if you're going to give yes. up guys like Chris Sale and Jose Quintana, good players on and off the field, you know, good people – you better be ready to pay to get them. And both oh, yeah. the Red Sox and the Cubs, as you said, were ready to do that. Yeah, they, they paid big time. And, uh, again, a, a win-win for both teams, given the statuses of, of all the teams involved. And uh, Moncada, you know, still had the strikeout issues, but he's still so young. And uh, the talent is so uh, so much in abundance that uh, he could really put it together next year and show people what the fuss is all about and why he was the consensus number one uh, prospect in all of baseball, according to MLBPipeline.com and some other outlets as well. Uh, Scott, as we come down the home stretch here, you know, I think that it's easy to put, you know, any of the 30 big league teams into one of five categories. You've got your rebuilding teams. Then you go up the ladder and you look at, you know, teams that are simply non-contenders and then, uh, you know, wild card contenders, division title contenders, and world title contenders. I think, you know, we're in 100% agreement here as are most White Sox fans. This is clearly 100% a rebuilding team. That said, if I go back to one year ago and if I'm having a discussion about the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, you would have said the same thing about them. They're rebuilding. They're not going to contend for a playoff spot or a division. Lo and behold, they had a five-and-a-half game lead in the NL Central as of the All-Star break, and up until game 161, they were in the mix for a wild-card spot. So that leads to my question. Maybe this is shooting for the moon a little bit, but is there a, even a slight possibility that this White Sox team, if it all comes together, they could at least be on the fringes of a wild-card you know, playoff hunt? Yeah, I'll be honest. You know, I think without the White Sox saying it, you hear rumblings that I think, you know, to make this rebuild work as part of it, they would like a couple top five, you know, first round draft picks. And they have that, you know, and just being in the top five across the draft, they have that this year. So I think they're kind of looking at that, you know, through the 2018 season. But I totally see your point. And trust me, a number of White Sox fans I've talked to in person and on social media, very knowledgeable fans have told me, you know, they think the Sox with the right moves could be, a team like the Brewers in, in 2018. I would say this, that, you know, Rick Hahn has talked about that and said he's not trying to squelch anyone's enthusiasm or optimism. That's great that they feel that. That's great that they feel that, you know, the team could make that kind of jump. But this team will certainly not vary from their goal of rebuilding, setting themselves up to contend for multiple titles just to try and be in it for a possible run at a wild card or something like that. You know, they – I think it would have to be something almost like what the Brewers did, where it looked like they could win the division. They were going into August, September ahead in the division or right there in the division for them to make any sort of move with the, the pool they've assembled to enhance 2018. Now, again, they're not giving up 2018. They're going to make moves. They're going to improve the team with an eye to the future, but also helping in the present. But I think it would take even more than what the Brewers – I, I should say – I take that back – along the lines of what the Brewers did for them to even think about even slightly altering the process. Yeah, and and again, it's you want to maintain that uh, that long-term big picture outlook and if there's an opportunity to possibly contend for a playoff spot without making that <laughs> sacrifice, you do it. 
Um, but you don't want to force it. Short of that opportunity presenting itself, you don't want to do anything to sacrifice the big picture, which is contending for multiple titles a couple years down the road. That is certainly the plan uh, with the Pale Hose in 2018 and beyond. Scott Merkin, great stuff as always. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox.